in this episode of the Church Carry Roll Call, we're going to be discussing isolating offenders. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, A Safe Distance. If you would like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This is Proverbs 28, verse 13, and it reads like this. He that coveteth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Good verse for us today because we're talking about sexual offenders attending church and how important it is for there to be some sort of structure and accountability for those people. And the idea here is quite simply this, is we want to ensure that they are not presented with temptation or opportunities to harm our children. And so, good article for us today. I really do encourage you to jump on the article. There's lots of resources there for you to check out if you have this type of situation going on at your church to help you make the best possible decisions. So before we continue, I would like to remind you to share this definitely with the children's ministry. Definitely share it with um, you know the leadership, definitely with your team, and start to have these discussions because quite frankly, this is a complex situation and requires complex solutions. I'm not going to be able to give you anything today um, or nothing really amazing today that's going to be like, oh, we're just going to do one, two, and three, and we're going to be fine. No, that's not how this one's going to work at all, unfortunately. So let's cover some news stories. These are the first stories here of how things went wrong. I mean, they really need to be just bad news stories. Anyway, Fredericksburg, Texas, November 2009 and April 2016. Uh, It should say between those two dates. Um, A daycare worker at a Fredericksburg church was arrested for sexual abuse of children. It turns out that during his six and a half years, at least 15 preschool children had been abused by the man. Bad, bad news. Um, Haverville, Massachusetts, um, July 13, 2022. A man living in New Hampshire who was listed as a pastor of a church in a nearby Haven Hill, um, Massachusetts, was uh, arraigned for not, um, for not registering um, since he was a registered sex offender in New Hampshire. Among his victims were a minor at the age of 13 years old. All right, people not getting background checked, even pastors, and going across the border to commit their crimes possibly again. Uh, Or at least (laughs) ditching ditching his reputation. Uh, Lake Worth, Texas, July 4th, 2013. A 19-year-old son of a church family was charged with sexual molestation of a child under six. The kid was actually four years old. As of the date of the article, no victim, other victims had been reported. Since then, the congregation strengthened their security team. So we know this is out there. There's no, you know, some of these stories are older than others, but we all know if you pay any attention to news at all, These are happening all the time. There are people constantly getting arrested, people constantly being convicted, 
people getting out of jail from past convictions, and some of them are showing up at churches or daycares or wherever they can in order to do one of two things, either find new victims or escape their past. But even if they're escaping their past, this is still something that to some extent this, this temptation is so overwhelming for them that without accountability, they're really setting themselves up for failure. So ditching your past is not always a good idea. All right, there are, um, there are ministries out there that actually focus towards sex offenders. And here's a couple. Chicago, Illinois, prior, prior to the COVID pandemic. Uh, when a church staff observed a visitor's fascination with children at a church event, they made their acquaintance and found out that he was a registered sex offender. And um, they redirected him to another church that actually had uh, a ministry for sex offenders. Very, very smart. Fresno, California, December 2009, a program named Circles of Support and Accountability um, has been in operation for, at the Mennonite Church. And uh, on January 29, 2010, a religion and ethics program on NPR talked about how popular or how successful this ministry was. It's now spread beyond that to the Presbyterian Church, Baptist Church, Methodist, and others. So it's a great program. And the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is this, is that a lot of times we think that our church itself has to be the answer for all the ills of society. And so if we get one uh, somebody who's a registered sex offender, or maybe they have um, drug abuse or alcohol addiction or those kind of things, or maybe they have you know, domestic violence. I was listening to this podcast not too long ago, and they were talking about these programs that actually work towards reforming the abusers um, and then also helping the victims. Very interesting stuff. My point here is this. Your church, your facility doesn't have to be the answer to all the ills of society. Know where these ministries exist. Know where these helps exist. And feel free to redirect people. I was talking to um, a guy not too long ago, and they were talking about the homeless population. And their church was doing something that was extremely smart. They were weighing the costs. They were counting the costs of if they were going to build a homeless uh, ministry to help them. Because they realize if you, if you are helping homeless people, really soon you have more and more homeless people to help and more and more and more and more and more. And so that costs a lot of resources, not only in time and effort, but financially. And so they kind of were you know, discussing that, weighing the cost, trying to figure out if this is something they even want to get into. And the same thing applies with addiction. The same thing uh, applies with sex, sexual crimes. It applies to so many different things. Are you actually prepared and set up to help people with this in particular struggle? That's a big question. And if you don't have that in place, then you really have to consider redirecting people to proper ministries. I, I hope that kind of makes sense to you. I know a lot of times the pastor's heart wants to help everybody that comes to their door. And they maybe even feel like there's an obligation that they do in fact help them. But, and, and that's probably true. I mean, there is an obligation to help them. 
But sometimes redirecting them is the right thing to do. You know, I think about benevolence associations or benevolent, I'm sorry, benevolence ministries where people are coming in with need and, you know, you're handing out a gas card or you're giving them food or all that kind of stuff. That's something that you have to count the cost. You're actually helping them better when you say, hey, there's a food pantry here and there's a food pantry here and you can go to the county and fill out this paperwork here and you'll get food stamps or whatnot. And, you know, knowing those other resources and directing them to is a way of helping people. You know, I think too, you know, we've discussed this about a million times with, uh, with verbal de-escalation. You know, you have somebody in mental crisis come into the church, they're causing a disturbance. And of course, our job as the safety team is to go in there and, you know, use verbal de-escalation to mitigate, mitigate that risk and hopefully they don't turn violent. But then after that, what's the next step is to provide them with the help they need. Well, that help might be medication. That help might be professional counseling. You know, it could be many things. Well, we're not doing that. I'm not writing anyone a prescription. You know, that's not necessarily our job. I'm saying that with caution. Our job is to get him to the next person that can actually help him or help that person. I hope that kind of makes sense. All right, so a couple more news stories here. Fort Wayne, Indiana, Brotherhood Mutual is one of those places that has all kinds of information. So if your, if your church has them as your insurance company, there are resources out there. And some of those resources are for free um, and are available on their website. Go there. Check it out. They're, like I said, one of our jobs, I think, you know, I think about when I was a cop. One of the things every time we had our annual training, there was usually presentations or something where they were telling us about the new stuff, you know, runaway homes for, you know, for kids that are runaways that run away, you know, help for them, you know, domestic violence, you know, our battered women's shelters, you know, that, that are in the area, mental health situations, suicide hotlines, not only for soldiers, but for the general population. And there was, they were always telling us of all these resources that were available in the county or close to our county. And so that's, that's kind of what we have to become as safety team members. We need to know what the resources are and direct people. And when it comes to pedophiles coming to church, you know, we, we want to make sure we're directing them just like anyone else towards ministries or churches or, or county, you know, you know uh, resources, those kind of things. So I hope all that makes sense to you. And that's almost, that's almost exactly... <laughs> that's almost the, the, the key takeaway of this program. And I'm going to talk for a little bit while longer, but I hope that's the key takeaway is that you find out what's in your area and then direct people towards it. And then having conversations with the leadership at least and let them know also what these resources are. They should know what a lot of these are. And if they don't, you'll be helping them find out what they are and then let them know they don't have to be the answer to every ill in society. So other than that, um, if we are going to have these people at church, we want to be, um, we want to make sure that we have good policies and procedures in place. It's, ex it's very important. There was a survey that came out that said that 80% of all pastors felt that it was important that they minister to past offenders. But less than 10% of them 
or something like that, it was really super low, had any sort of policies or procedures for dealing with them or even anything set in place to dealing with those type of situations. So basically it was the pastor's heart saying, yes, we absolutely want to hurt people that are struggling and recovering from all kinds of bad things. That's great. That's awesome. That's a pastor's heart. This is what we expect from them. But then they had no plan. And so there's the mistake. And there's where we open ourselves up for further victims, maybe at our church and or outside the church, because this person isn't actually getting the help that they need that we're not qualified to give. So if we are going to do this, we have to have policies. We have to have procedures, you know, on how we deal with kids and who can work with the kids and who can't work with the kids. And then what are the rules when they are working with kids? You know, things like the two-person rule and unrelated adults, you know, working in and all those kind of rules of, you know, what we're allowed and not allowed to do when we're working with children. And then setting in, in place structural protections. I know a lot of churches out there can actually kind of seal off an area for nothing but children and only authorize, um, you know, workers. That's an example of a structural protection you know, a structural design to help reduce the risk so people don't have access to the kids. It could be as simple as a reception counter that's, you know, between the general public and the children's area. Or maybe it's things like doors where um, the doors that are placed on children's rooms are kind of those open style doors, you know, Dutch doors or split doors, whatever you want to call it, where that door the lower door is locked so the kids can't escape, but the upper door is open so people can look in there. And, of course, then you still have your security in case of emergency, violent intruder. You just shut the top door. Or windows. Once again, windows run some risks. But um, we have to think we're playing a numbers game here a little bit. A lot of the things that secure children and protect them from predators also then create a violent intruder challenge that has to be overcome. But the likelihood of a kid being molested at your church is much higher than an active shooter coming. So do what you can to protect the kids from abuse. And then once you do that right, then figure out how you can modify it in case of emergency to make sure they're safe. A good example is this. Some churches have chose to put very large windows um, from, the, from the hallway to see into the classroom. Active shooter-wise, that's a really, really bad idea. But if that window maybe has the wire mesh and or maybe it's a, a, a type of plexiglass that's strong and then there's a curtain that could pull over it, now they could still shoot through the window, but they would be shooting blind. And let's be honest, a lot of our buildings are just made out of sheetrock anyway, so don't... don't um, don't deceive yourself by thinking that because you don't have a window that a bad guy still can't shoot blindly through that wall. But anyway, um, so we have to think about those things. But the point is this, is we want to make sure that we're making good structural decisions. We're, we're in putting in windows where we need to have windows, at least even a little peak window. Um, and those windows are strong and all that good stuff. But it's to protect the kids. It's to keep our eyes on them. Then, of course, there's technological things, check-in, check-out procedures, that kind of stuff. Something that goes as far as logging in workers as well is extremely important. Keeping good records is really, you know, who's in the classroom, 
the adult and the kids and who's working as Romer, who's the director on that day or at that event, that kind of good stuff. All right, ultimately what it comes down to though is vigilance. You can have all these rules in place, you can have all these kind of structural stuff in place and it can make you feel really good. But if nobody's watching, if nobody's paying attention, if nobody's you know, inspecting that things are being used in the way they were intended to be used and people aren't violating the rules, then, you know, then we're, not, we're, we're kind of fooling ourselves if we're not being vigilant. We have to inspect these kind of things. One of the things they used to say in the military or at least when I was in, is they would say, people don't do what you expect, they do what you inspect. And that's absolutely true. Us as safety team members need to be vigilant. We need to be watching of who's doing what and are they doing the right thing. Other than that, um, get on this article. It is so important, you jump on this article, check it out, there's all kinds of resources. It's a big challenge. It really is a big challenge. And while a lot of what I said is find out what the resources are and push them towards them, and that includes other churches possibly that they go to, there, you're probably still going to have some people ultimately that are going to be attending your church. And it's about having rules and accountability for them. And it's a tough conversation to have. I get that. But if we're unwilling to have that tough tough conversation with them. We're unwilling to put some rules on them like they're not allowed in the children's ministry. They shouldn't come to children's events or events that are primarily about children. You know, they, you know, those kind of restrictions. If they're on, if you can't have that conversation with them, what are you going to do about all the other tougher conversations that come up when they do show up to a children's ministry? You know, you want to have that conversation before they're at that event that's you know bringing in kids from all over the community. So make sure that we're having these conversations, we're having these rules, and then we're holding them to those rules. So anyway, check out the article. Don't miss it this week. Um, other than that, before I let you go, I want to let you know that I, we, the official number is not in yet, but we've had in this first quarter, we're on target for over 100 people being certified this quarter. Awesome. The next, this quarter ends, the last official class is November 6th. And then right away on the 13th, we start the second quarter. So this is an opportunity for you to enroll. And you can start at the beginning with us. I mean, it's okay to join in the middle too, no big deal. But you could join with us on time and you could be the part of the next 100 plus people that get certified with us. So definitely um, get on there. Other than that, if you like this video, comment, share, like. Let's get this information out there. Um, you know, safety ministries across the country are relatively new. And a lot of people don't think about it. They've never thought about it before. Um, but you have. And you're listening to this program. Share it. Get other people on board. If you have family around the country, share it with them. Start talking to them. You know, they're attending a different church, you know, in another state. You know, this is where you can influence them and start to spread this information because at the end of the day, the media is not going to do it. Social media is not going to do it. I'm pretty sure that Facebook is shadow banning me right now. Um, so we're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way, traveling the country, spreading the gospel. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for being here. And hey, let's be careful out there.
This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.